perfect organism. The Alien Saga Podcast. Really why we're here tonight is we certainly we want to check in to see how everyone is doing uh, in terms of quarantine and the crazy world that we live in, like you mentioned earlier, Patrick. But I'm also curious, what are people thinking about a sequel to uh, Alien Covenant? What would that look like for each of you? Do we continue on the path we're on? Do we keep David but change course? Is the Covenant slash prequel era over? What do you guys think? I have some ideas, <laughs> if anyone wants to hear. Go for it. Okay. Go for it. Um, Personally, I think um, I think that we're likely to see uh, Ridley get one more film, um, and I, obviously David is going to be, you know, the star of it. I personally, and this is not from any insider information or anything, so please nobody attribute that to this. I personally think that they're not going to make it clear that David created or didn't create the alien because I think there was a big backlash about that idea. Um, I think that they're just going to leave you confused on it. It's what I think is going to happen. Um, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping beyond anything that David is not the engineer that we see in the first movie in 1979, that he's not in that suit sitting there on LV-426. There will be some continuity issues. <laughs> that <come> out <laughs> <with> the <case. laughs> I hope that they don't actually even crash on LV-426 in the third prequel, if, if there is one. Like, I feel like it maybe needs to be another planet or, or a J-6 or whatever you, whatever planet L, you know, that they want to come up with. I feel like it would be a better idea if they leave the mythology of the yeah, original exactly. Alien film completely alone. Yeah. Have it let us be its own self-contained story. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't I mind. Guess... I, I don't mind what they like. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Dave. I'm gonna say I might as well um, go for me for a follow-up. I'm gonna cheat and do two answers. I think, like Jamie, you mentioned before, I think it could work continuing the story if instead of focusing on the 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 bootleg Blade Runner story and getting it more on Alien and the horror, like instead of like in Covenant where they skipped all the stuff to show if you do a covenant sequel you show all the experimenting on the the, the colonists and whatnot show all the the body horror the you know make us terrified make us wince make us you know anxious i think if you focus on that i think it could work but other than that i think if this doesn't continue do some sort of reboot and set it either between Aliens and Alien 3 or after Alien 3 because as we've discussed before, there's so much to play within this universe from William Yutani to Rivals to everything. There's plenty of room to keep the series going without retreading the same type of characters. I think it'll work either way. That's what I would like to see at least. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Uh, I have to agree. Like, I, I personally don't care I don't care for as much as what happens as like something has to happen because it at the end of covenant, it just, it left you like you're, you're kind of lost right now. You're in a, it's sort of in a funk because as, as fans, like I want nothing more than to find out, okay, what happened? And then, and we're kind of like, we're just sort of treading water right now. And it's, it, that's the most frustrating thing about I me, mean, me personally, I, I want to find out what I I've never been a big fan of the, the, and the Android 
sort of line. Um, I, I came into the whole aliens thing as more for the creatures. Like David's lab was incredible. I mean, that, that for me is my big, my big thing. Cause you know, the experimenting and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm never really was into it that way. And then there's just something about, you know, Prometheus into covenant that really kind of was like a hook line and sinker to, to get me back into the franchise. And then all of a sudden you get to the end of it, you see what happens at the end of covenant and then it's just stopped. And now we're kind of in this free fall. We're like, as, as fandom, we have no idea, uh, you know, it like it, honestly, it's like, it, it bugs me and it hurts because like, I want to see what happens next so badly that it's frustrating. Um, I, I agree with Jamie too. I mean, I, I don't know if I, I, or actually I think it was, was Andrew said it. Like, I do not want to find out that David is, is the one in the spaceship. I take them somewhere totally different and then alien can have its own beginnings and everything like that. But you know, we just need something. I mean, it, they have to do something here soon or else you're really going to have too much time in between and you're going to lose a lot of your, you know, the people that are holding on. But I mean, that's, that's my, that's my take on that. I have a, uh, a, a somewhat unpopular, probably, opinion. Uh, not opinion, but how do I say this? Opinion on how the studios look at this. That's the best way to describe it. I don't... I, I think I'll, the reason why a lot of this toxic fandom has come out is because people don't think that these things are being made for them. And I really don't think... I think that's correct. I don't think the studio is making it for the fans. They're, they're, they're making them these movies for two reasons. One... Ridley found something he wants to say, which may not be what we want to hear, um, but it's entertaining at least because David is awesome as far as I'm concerned. Um, and they want to reach as many audience, new, new audience members as possible. And I think in, in the process of this, a lot of the, the hardcore fans feel left out um, of a lot of things. And it's one of the things I tried to do with the RPG book is there's hints for threads for things that didn't happen in the movies in there like there's there's a hint for a thread for the William Gibson thing to cover all the aspects of the things that I know fans love that have sort of been abandoned or forgotten about and whatnot um but I, Hollywood at the end of the day what they're trying to do is they're looking to find as many movie tickets as possible and that may not necessarily have anything to do with the series actual fan base but what's interesting about that that you say though is if that's true, they're still not it's still not working. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Covenant didn't do what they wanted it to do. And I think there's a lot of awesome things about Covenant. Um, uh, I, I, I get to go to uh, Alien Day before Covenant came out. And um, we we there was a we saw the original Alien in HD and then they played all the internet uh, Covenant stuff all by just the scene of the uh, the, the backburster. Back yeah. And I was like, holy shit, that's terrifying. You know, out of context, without knowing the rest of it, I was like, that thing fucking scared me. And, you know, I felt like, all right, we're good. We're on track, you know. Um, but But then, you know, there are things where it wasn't on track. But one of the beauties of the the franchise is that, I mean, each of the movies is different. It, in some ways, drastically on some of them. Um, but they're, they're, all try, they're all sort of telling a different type of film, um, a different type of story. So they're not really repeating themselves, even though, you know, our hero 
the alien shows up in each one of them. Well, of yeah, I mean, I think that that's probably uh, controversial. I think that in yeah. some ways you have a character like Daniels, who's largely forgettable, who is a, certainly a, a character built uh, in the fashion of Ripley. If anything, I think um, Shaw was probably a better attempt at someone a little bit different, even if she wasn't highly successful. In, in reference to Alien Dare, I'll never forget me and Dave both yeah, went and so saw so. Alien um, on, on Alien Day, and we saw those scenes as well. And we, within probably 20, 30 minutes leaving the theater, yep. we were like, holy shit, that was, that was, I was disturbed. I was like, this is an alien film. Like, I, I will never forget that day. It was really, really, really amazing. Fantastic, um, yeah. I, I just, just wish they didn't show that. It was great to see it early, but arguably the best scene in the movie. Don't give that, don't, don't leak that early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, even in the, the, the previews, there was so much given away. I mean, the whole Alien Covenant um, media frenzy, you just, you might as well just release the movie on video on demand. I mean, it was, it was relentless. And there was almost nothing to, there was very little to even surprise you. Like, in the, you watch the commercial, all right, this is where Orm bites it. Thanks a lot, Fox. Appreciate it. Yeah, there was no <laughs> yeah. mystery. No. Which is I mean, I have, almost. Yeah, which is, defeats the whole purpose of the franchise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You want to. The whole first be, film was about mystery. Yeah. Yeah. And the studios in general are afraid no one's going to go see these things. So, um, and you see it in all the trailers. I don't watch movie trailers anymore. Um, yeah, you're better I off. I usually, I, just, start... I usually just watch the one now, the teaser get interested, then I just push everything else aside. Yeah, I made sure I watched nothing for Rise of Skywalker. I was like, I'm not having this ruined for me in a yeah. trailer. Um, <laughs> and uh, well, see how that what works. do you call it? I, I feel like I just uh, loaded a gun. <laughs> should, should I not? Uh, should I not brought up Rise of Skywalker. No, that'll. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's fine. Push Jamie's buttons. <laughs> no, it won't. It's a terrible film, but yeah, whatever. Um, but he said, <laughs> "Go on." I said I didn't want it ruined in a trailer. I didn't say anything about in the theater. No. Okay. Anyway, no, I actually really enjoyed Rise of Skywalker. I did too. Uh, um, what do you call it? But um, they want to. They put that best stuff in the trailer because they're like. They're like, if they, people don't know this is there, they're not going to go see the movie. It's 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 a defeating, self-defeating thing. Yeah. You know? they got to go back to the way they used to do it. I can, I can still remember as a kid going to see a trailer or see a trailer, you know, because you'd always had them before social media and the internet, you know, trailers were on a VHS. Like they were the beginning of it. That's why the only way you went to see it or if you went to see it in the movie theater. I mean, that was the best part. And I can still remember, to the, I know to this day, there's movies that I saw trailers for. And some of those scenes were never in the movie um mm -hmm. which, which was crazy and like i said that that's the biggest thing i mean you hit it on the head it's you know the whole social media thing where we we all live in and go by today but yeah i i, I can remember that's what i did i saw the uh, covenant i watched the teaser trailer and then i i shut myself down from everything else before it came out because i i i just Mark. knew and then i think uh wasn't didn't Europe England get it before we did? Was it Europe got it before us? And yeah. then the next day, the film, it was yeah. just like you yeah. could not go. You couldn't go on social media because everybody and their brother was telling about. Yeah, you know, was was telling what was going on. So like you were like constantly dodging, you know, getting spoilers here and there. I mean, that's that was the that was in itself. I think one of the the downfalls. 
Before we get too far into, go. I'm going to let you speak as well, Connor, and then we need to hear from Clara and Mike. Um, before we get too far into the trailer, because we want to make sure we're focusing on where this franchise is going to go. So let's kind of see if we can <laughs> that focus. But what I will say is in terms of the next film, I really think we need someone, whether Ridley Scott is producing or not, I think we need someone who thinks the alien is scary um, and no, presented as such. No. Because I think no. the alien is fucking scary. Um, and I think it can be um, if if someone's really interested in it being. Um, and so I really feel like if they're going to make another movie called Alien Whatever, I think it needs to be a film where someone doesn't feel the burdened by the actual creature itself, which was clear. So I'm curious, like Connor, Clara, Mike, what do you guys think in terms of a sequel? What would you like to see? I think they should put it on TV, like a series instead, with the way things are going right now, where the pandemic and whatnot, what's happening to theatres, God knows when they'll be back up and running, if they will. And to be performance, I think you've got plenty of space within a TV series to tell whatever story you want. You're not constricted by an hour and a half or getting asses in seats. People binge watch series within two days, and it's like 20 hours worth of episodes. So I don't see what the issue is there. Um, I think the future of the series is is going to have to work around what's currently happening in consideration to the pandemic. Um, if you're going to cast an entire array of people for a film, they would have to self-isolate for months or years on end um, to be able to achieve that. And that depends on like how efficient production would be without having a lot of um, things at their disposal. Uh, another option is actually going to an animated series because people can record voices in their own home or at a studio and then someone splice that together and produce something that people can consume. And that can be kind of done really with, without the budgetary limits that a, a major film production would have. And then you have the other option of like going, just not even going to animation, but going to audio dramas because we know how successful those were, especially with the alien ones. Um, they could consider going to an audio drama series so they wouldn't have to worry about uh, like the art department or pre-production in that sort of sense, but they can consider doing more with the sound design and investing a lot in character development and investing a lot in using making us use our imaginations to kind of fill the gaps. I think that would be the most effective way going forward. And perhaps once all of this pandemic stuff is over, then they can look at finishing Ridley's uh, prequel series and then branch off into either a television series, just like Connor said, because it'd be easier to be able to reach fans, especially us older crew who can't afford to go to the cinema all the time and, and pay 90 bucks for a, a babysitter um, <laughs> to be able to kind of like connect with the sort of stuff that we love about Alien and have that instant to our home and kind of like what I really loved about, for example, the Alien short films is that we were getting updates every week. We could talk about it. The fandom was getting really interactive. It was a fa fantastic time for us, I thought, even if we weren't exactly happy with the quality, but it, it, it was trying to tell a story and I think that's what's important and, and that's what keeps us going. So if we could start telling stories again without having to worry about continuity, 
tell separate stories in the universe. There's a massive timeline that can be taken up from anywhere. Let's start investigating alternate, you know, timelines where, you know, Blomkamp's film could have happened or maybe maybe the all the prisoners um, didn't exactly die off and there was someone else hiding and we could go back to Fiorina. You know, they could pretty much write up anything. There's no limitation. I think the studios have to start taking risks and that's that's where it has to start. The studio has to go, oh, you know, the alien fandom is worthwhile creating stuff for and investing in, but we shouldn't start investing in singular stories which only set us down one path where we're going to leave 50% of fans unsatisfied and upset. Like, I'm okay with Ridley Scott finishing, but I'm also okay with a Colonial Marines TV series or, you know, an interactive game series or a really integrated audio drama that's like serialized and released every week like i would eat that stuff up so yeah i think i think they just have to open up more options instead of just going down the one possibility which is just one more movie and then moving on do you anyway. think that they, do you think that they need to just like that they need to keep moving to brand new directions or like would you embrace a hadley's hope uh netflix series or something you, you know what i mean i think hadley's hope is played out I think especially like having run Hope's Last Day, which was a lot of fun, um, that there is only one ending for that. Right. And that's everyone dies and only a few survive. And I'm, I'm not happy with that. I want something different. I want something really groundbreaking. It makes the alien scary, but I also want a character that I'll be like, holy shit, I didn't expect them to survive. Like Alex White's The Cold Forge. Like, Spoiler alert for people who haven't read the book yet, but oh my God, to have a person of color who's also, uh, you know, transhuman, who is also gay, who to become like the sole survivor of a complete alien outbreak in, in a scientific uh, like laboratory scenario, that is amazing. I would love to see that on film. I would love to hear an audio drama, but the problem is the studios don't take that sort of risks with the mainstream stories that we have on screen. There was even like so much focus on the the Walter David kiss more than the actual like content of about you know the the story of um, creation and, and what it, what is it why is it why is creation also an abomination and why uh, there is so much suffering contained in that sort of um, uh, theology I just feel like the focus was too much on like oh it's a it's a gay robot kiss scene I mean like. <laughs> Come on, guys! There's so much more happening. Um, if they could just remove all of the other chaff and start focusing on the stories that take more risks, I think that we would have better stories, better support, better characters. Sorry for the rant. <laughs> no, don't apologize, Mike. I want to hear from you. Well, I, I, I'm going to bring all the hate. I agree with everything everybody's saying. First of all. But I think to really breathe some life into the franchise, you, 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 you kind of have to go big budget action movie. You know, shiny stuff, explosions, get, get people into the seats, into the theaters, you know, get, breathe some money into the franchise before we can start going back to the movies that we want to see. You know, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but I think that's what has to, be ha what has to happen right now. You know, just everybody wants the shiny stuff and the explosions these days. 
I think from a financial standpoint, I I think you're absolutely right. Like, I I feel like there's, there's no doubt that that's what would get butts in seats. There's no, there's no mystery why, you know, Blomkamp's concept artwork got so many shares and why it became such a huge thing. There's an enormous market of nostalgia out there. Uh, And especially, Hey, at a time like this, when everybody's anxious and in unprecedented circumstances where nothing feels familiar anymore, that kind of shit, uh, that kind of comfort food will go an extremely long way, especially if it's done really well. That's yeah. to- financially, totally. Yeah. That, that's but, what I've been escaping to is just movies I really don't have to think about too much because I'm doing enough thinking when I'm not watching TV. But I think right. that there's a danger in that, though. I also I think that the first three Alien films didn't... Th- yes, the second one was shiny and big, but it was also really deep and interesting and full of heart and everything. It's a film that if you love Jerry Bruckheimer films, you can go and watch Aliens and have a great time. And if you love my favorite word, cerebral science fiction, you, you can also watch and right. enjoy. It really works. So I don't think we have to sacrifice one thing for another. I mean, we're seeing that play out where they like, and I think the problem is, is that these last, or the challenges, the last few Alien films have been made by committee. Um, well, let's get this writer in here. Let's, let's, what do you and think? This is a great that's idea. That's the thing this, with Aliens is, is that everyone could enjoy it. It's the yeah. one movie, other than the first one, where you could be from any background, any type of movie, TV fan, and you hop in and enjoy it. Like all the great stuff Claire was talking about with Alien Covenant. It's like, I don't mean to be blunt, but most people don't give a shit about doing research when watching a movie. It's optional. Like I like doing all the background stuff in Alien. I, you know me, I love my Prometheus nerd. I love reading all the theories and everything. But it's optional. It's not necessary for me to enjoy it. I choose to do it. You shouldn't. It's not part, it's not something that should be required to enjoy a movie. Sometimes the, the weird stuff stands out in these other movies because we nitpick them and the general public doesn't enjoy them as much as we do because they're not hardcore fans. So they see this stuff and they go, eh, I don't like this. I'm going to make fun of this. I'm going to make fun of this line because it doesn't, it doesn't connect the way the first two movies, arguably the third, do. Where Alien and Aliens and now really Alien 3, just about anyone can turn on and just about anyone can enjoy because they connect in some way, whether it's survivalism, um, you know, mother-daughter, um, discovery, all three of those have something to connect to with the prequels because it took chances. It's not that it just took chances, but the execution of them wasn't the best. It was very mixed. It was very inconsistent on both movies. And when you have that type of feel, it's going to grab certain people like me and not others. You know, you have people like me who love Prometheus, other people who love Covenant, other, others who hate both. You know, it's, it causes, it just, uh, it crosses the streams, you know, through audience, whether it's us or the, or just the, you know, this normal family going in to watch a movie. So I want to first off appreciate the Ghostbusters reference. Thank you, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I want to take a second. I want to backpedal for a minute because I I think this conversation is going in like not maybe the direction that I think I was kind of personally at least hoping it would go because I feel like we're talking a lot about kind of industry concerns and about like, you know, what kind of platform this should be on, what kind of genre it should fit into. But I, I, I personally just curious more from a, an immediate standpoint on the story that we have at the end of Covenant and where that could go as a, as a narrative. Like I'm not talking about if this is on a streaming service or if this is made for sort of popcorn entertainment I mean, just from a story in terms of building on or, or, you know, building off of the themes that we're presented with, with this, very divisive, very interesting, and very, for some people, you know, off-putting vision that we're presented with in these, you know, these two Ridley films um, since 2012. So for me personally, 
uh, and I'll throw out some my two cents here. I think that the key to like what I would like to see in a follow-up to Covenant is in the the rest of the stanza of Ozymandias. So, you know, the, so after, so, you know, so the part that David is mentioning goes, my name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. To me, that last bit about that barren wreck and the lone and level sands is where this needs to end because the ultimate endpoint of any uncontrolled mutation, the ultimate endpoint of any spiraling, and cre spiraling creativity, the ultimate endpoint of unchecked hubris, right, is death, is destruction, is obliteration. To me, the only way to make this whole thing work, and that includes in terms of like, because I, I, I'm with Michael and everybody else who's mentioned this, that like, I do not want this to dovetail perfectly into the xenomorph that we know. I don't want this to provide any answers that are real. I don't want this to make anything neat and tidy. I want this to end with a fucking explosion of absolutely monstrous proportions. And out of the ashes of that explosion, for something to be allowed to set into motion that we don't see, but that something comes out of this obliteration. And I think that like, we're really kind of set up nicely for that with how Covenant ends. You know, you have David on this ship that is this like floating, you know, nightmare vessel, which, which I think, I mean, if, if, if we come out of that without getting the, the incredible body horror sequences that we're set up for, like, I, I'm just so disappointed. I feel like yeah, the ending of Covenant with the Wagner playing and with David mm -hmm. having this complete open test. Potential there body, is right? delicious. And to me, the, to me, the big disappointment with Covenant, which again, for anybody who isn't familiar with this, I fucking love Covenant. And, and the reason I'm even on Perfect Organism in the first place is because I was talking to Jamie about it so much. He's like, why don't you come on and talk about it? I, it's one of my favorite films. I do think, though, that I was let down by the fact that some of the incredibly terrifying shit that Dane and Matt and others drew was never realized in the film. I mean, I was, I was so nervous, you know, before I saw the movie. I was like... I'm going to be fucked up by this film. If I see these weird things that, that you know, those things that Dane was drawing where you saw Shaw in this kind of liminal space between human and alien and biomech and these kind of, like these things that like, I didn't really have like a, a vocabulary for internally. I was like, I was like, I'm going to be very, very afraid of this. When I saw Covenant, I was afraid in that I was terrified by some sequences, right? I was afraid in that there were some themes that were kind of under my skin, but I didn't get that sense of absolute horror, that, that grand green all horror that I was kind of looking for. To me, this final chapter, if there is a final chapter in this, in this you know, presumed trilogy that I'm kind of talking about, I want to see it be basically this absolutely nightmarish descent into something almost like Suspiria, something that is just sort of like overwhelming to behold. And then I want that overwhelmingness to run itself out and to basically explode, to end with some sort of an enormous war between David and the engineers, to end with something you know, completely out of control that sets off events that we don't see and that we don't get answers to, but that could somehow through chains of time and causality and mutation arrive at something like the actual big chap xenomorph. But we would never get information on how that happened. To me, the only way this can end is death. Yeah, you know what? I, I'm going to join. I tell you what, Patrick, I, I'm going to fill in from where you just stopped because I absolutely believe I 100% agree with what you're saying. I would like to see I would like to see it set up to where David takes the, you know, the colonist and the ship and goes to Orgai 6. And then he's got this playground because we already know that this planet is set up like Earth. 
So he's got everything to do with it. And exactly like you said, we already have an idea. We already kind of got a glimpse at how the engineers work and how they steer their ship and make them landing on LV-426 a whole nother thing. Just don't even go in that direction. You already know what's coming there. He explained that in Prometheus and they gave you kind of an update. But I agree with you. I, I'm I'm one of those ashes and fire and brimstone and just like let him go crazy. And, you know, if you want to make, you know, Tennessee and you want Shaw to be the, the ones that kind of run from him as he's doing all this kind of thing is great. But like my, my big thing is I want somebody, Jamie, I mean, I've talked about this many times what what carried the original alien movies for me was ripley like i i had that one person that continued the whole way through you started with her an alien then you followed her in aliens you know aliens and then alien three and even alien resurrection you had that person and it, it, it was kind of rough for me because shaw i thought oh i could really make a you know this could be the person i get behind and she's gonna go through this and she got through the first one and then, you know, it just sort of worked out the way it did. And then they just kind of cut her character off. And then we got, you know, Tennessee and you got uh, Daniels. And I'm like, okay, here's another character. Let's see if we can pull behind. And they, and they just weren't strong enough. But like you said, I'm almost at the point now for my dislike or, you know, whatever it is for, for the Android type characters, just thinking of like David and him going to this planet with like, well, I mean, what is there? couple thousand people that he can do whatever he wants to you know exactly let him go wild let him mess with things you know come up with all kinds of horrifying creatures and so you know where the, the you know you're going to know where eventually it's going to get to aliens but it doesn't have to be him being the one that gets there he can go off on his own and but i, I absolutely agree i mean they have it's got to have a conclusion if nothing for just for the fans to finally be like ah okay i now see where you went with this and and i totally agree I, and i think you know put somebody in the seat that wants to be an is an alien fan to, to get behind this and you know make it crazy that's so key too i think really like as we're talking about and to reference something that you said patrick like for me part like i want someone who is as passionate about this franchise as we are doing the next film not someone who's like yeah I'm not, I'm not sure about the alien anymore i don't want anybody who's not sure about the alien directing an alien film no, period um i just think that's 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 fatal fatal for the next film fatal if you're not interested in the alien then don't make an alien film um however one specific thing i there's the scene where at the end of covenant you see david of course retching up the the little whatever those things are i i love the idea that if the ship crashes for some reason those are gone and though you have those you know human fetuses there and they've been somehow melded but you can't tell like there's so much potential right there of yeah. like horror absolute can, like horror. an island of where, David Moreau type thing you could do yeah where even <laughs> even if say it, say it crashes okay just yeah, say the ship crashes and just, just for whatever reason, say David doesn't really continue. Maybe he makes a cameo and he's all in pieces when the ship crashes. But Shaw wakes up or someone wakes up. It's a new character or whatever. And then they're like, okay, we're on this planet. We don't know where we are, but we need to get things going. This is, this is where we are. We can't get the ship going again. So they start incubating these fetuses again. 
Mm. Thinking everything's fine. These fetuses, the fetuses start to grow. All of a sudden, horror, horror. Everything seems fine. Um, much like that's sort of how Alien goes. What no one has seen the little egg or face hugger or whatever those were in there. Nobody knows until these babies are then done from the incubator and they're being raised and something starts happening. I mean, I think that that would be a great way to to set up a sequel whether it involves david or not like to me that's where i go in my head in terms of like the horror that i miss because we don't know what to expect i and that's what i want from an alien film i want to i I want to not expect what i am about to see i would go the other way (laughs) sorry you go first michael no no no, that's all right good um i think i said this about like two years ago as well, but the way I I wanted to see it go next is uh, actually going back to Planet 4 before the Covenant arrives. I want to see how David and Shaw got to the planet. I want to see how those abominations happened in the lab. I want to see Shaw getting infected by the pathogen and David operating her on her night after night, pulling out all of these abominations and she's thinking that he's helping her and he's just hoping just out of all of that chaos comes something that he can create and make beautiful, but she doesn't survive that process. I want to see her trying to escape the engineers being all like mutated and like monstrous and like really scary. Um, I want to see her struggling for her life because like she obviously survives, uh, having the trilobite taken out of her, I want to see her survive after she's had all of these monstrosities operated out of her and her trying to leave that planet, turning on that beacon, saying, you know, someone come and fucking save me because I'm stuck here on this planet with this fucking crazy robot, these mutated engineers, these monsters coming out of me. I want to see the um, mythology of Prometheus realized in Elizabeth Shaw. And I I can definitely see... You know, Numi Rapace coming back for that. Michael Fassbender coming back for that. Uh, Ian White coming back to reprise the engineer. You only need three actors. The rest of it's just practical effects. It can be done and it would be so intense. It, you'd have totally. this genuine feeling of fear and it could, it could take place over a day. It could take place over a month. Whatever it needs to do, I think it can be done because it's just, it's so fucking scary what he could have come come up mm-hmm. with in that time. You can see with all the, the drawings, he's operated we were on, a book of that too. <laughs> yeah, he's operated Fuck on yeah, ch- children, man. engineers, he's operated <laughs> on babies, he's operated yeah. on all of these different animals on the planet. There's this like really rich biosphere that we've never got to see alive. What if we could see that and then get see it fucked up Geiger style? I really want to see that. <laughs> yeah, sign me up. Yeah, I mean, out of all the things in Covenant, I think we can all pretty much agree that was one of the, the, the greatest things that came out of Covenant was the backburster scene was something new. We had you'd, you'd never saw that before, you know, and then the one that came out of, out of out of his throat, like those those two scenes in there in general were the, some of the greatest parts of that. It's like it, it just missed so that if you can go further. But yeah, I agree with Clara. I mean, the, the books and stuff like gave you a taste of how cool it must have been all the experimentation that he did and to see Connor, you are a storyteller a damn good one what would you what story would you tell oh christ um, <laughs> okay 
as much as I don't like what's been going on with the prequels, I have had a couple of nights where I've thought about what would I do, where would I take it if I could. Um, the main problem is it's a prequel, so in a certain way you're kind of limited to what you can do to reach the end of the story. You have to have a certain end to it to match up to whatever comes afterwards. But at the same time, it's difficult because people want all this big massive battle between David and the engineers and whatnot. Okay, for one thing, that's not small budget. Don't know where you're going to get the money to do that, where the franchise is now. I say, why possibly, why not set it way, way, way in the future, past every other movie, and have some or ship or something arrive on Aurigai 6 way after David's done what he's done? Is he still alive? Who knows? But you get to see the full extent of what his creations can do. But at the same time, you're not completely limited by trying to bring it into the ascend the alien. The, the problem is as well, that you can set it on the Covenant in, uh, while it's heading there. So at the end of the day, okay, something happens on the ship and at the end of the film, ship cra crashes, whatnot. Maybe you get another film out of it. I don't, the problem is that the way the Covenant's been written right now, it's the scope of what you can do is somewhat limited. There's not a lot of flexibility to play around with that as a writer. Like personally, I would hate to write a sequel to Covenant because it's a complete goddamn headache where it's headed right now. Interesting. I would love to write a sequel. I think it's very interesting what you said because um, it, it, it clicked something to me. And there was all this talk about Sigourney Weaver talking to Ridley Scott about being in the third uh, prequel. And everyone was like, well, what is she going to play her younger self? But why would she? And blah, 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 blah. And if it was set like post-resurrection, she could play Ripley getting to that planet with David still alive. There's no reason why David would have changed and still be alive. I don't know if there's a way to do that, but I really like that that concept you had there. Hmm. Patrick, you're you're a game guy. What about um what about how cool would it be to see the covenant almost like Ala Dead Space? Oh my where they, god. Where they, I where, they, where, they where, where they kind of come on it and it's That's just sweet. like they get there and open it up and it's just like a nightmare. Like it's oh my god! Everything has been done That's for how many years? Too. It's like, like the way Connor said it would be awesome to see it actually behind a jump, and see it in the future. And some, you know, some small pirate ship of, of guys happen upon this thing, and here is what David has done. He's you know still involved in the, the system, you know somehow, and just dead like that dead space where it's just just necromorphs, but just craziness i mean that that would be connor hit i just didn't think about it till connor said that but that would be an awesome have it like out of the shadows where david's actually the ai within the ship like his body's obviously gone but his mind is still controlling what's going on in the ship he can manipulate it like the pyramid out of alien versus predator and he could become basically the god of his own system right yeah like he, he could transcend his his you know corporeal he's form, free now that he no right? longer has the body yeah, and he's lord of his own kingdom because that, that's yeah. like his, that's his ship. That's his and Michael, I, I love that idea of like a dead space thing. I mean, talk about a haunted house in space, right? That That's yeah. like, in, in terms of, I mean, I don't, I, don't, see, I don't know if like that feels like a, a full movie to me, but 
it totally, that totally could work. I, I just, I feel like if it's really contained and it's really freaky, I guess something else that I want to bring up for you guys too, to react to is that I, I guess something that I think Alien struggles with a little bit is that the first film came out of this very urgent need for, uh, for O'Bannon to express something that he was afraid of and something that he knew people like him were afraid of, right? So like a lot of the, the things that we kind of take for granted now, like a lot of the, you know, the, the, the rape uh, it, things and the, and, you know, the, the chest bursting and things, like all, all of these, the, the birth, you know, fear things, like the, for, for audiences in the late 70s, that was very groundbreaking, very new. And that's part of why it was so kind of immediately freaky for people. And I think something that alien films struggle with a little bit is that I don't think they're necessarily trying to figure out exactly what people are afraid of in the moment in which they're being written. They're kind of riding off they're kind of, I'm still on the crest of that same wave of fear ideas. And something that I think could be cool for me that I would like to see, like I find Annihilation really frightening. I, I think that the writings of Jeff Vandermeer in general are really terrifying. And I think that- The writing is frightening, so. I, I think mm -hmm. that they're, <laughs> you know, Gold doesn't like the movie. Sorry, allergy, <laughs> allergy season. Sorry. <laughs> allergy season. <laughs> yeah. um, it, 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 to me, it feels like, uh, it's the reason why I'm so intoxicated by those books is because they they're hitting at something that I'm like really af afraid of that I, I don't even like know exactly what it is. It might be related to, you know, the fear of like getting cancer or something, right? Like just being afraid of that. But I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is that like we are all really afraid of the situation that we're in right now to varying degrees. And we've kind of become a little bit desensitized to it because it's been long enough. But like, but we've all been living with some form of fear for quite a while now whether it be our loved ones getting sick or whether it be losing our you know, livelihoods or et cetera. It's a, there's a lot of fear out there. Um, and I would really hope that whoever writes this next film or this next treatment or whatever this is, like takes into account what people are actually afraid of right now. And I don't know if that necessarily means contagion or necessarily means sort of an unseen pandemic or something. But I think, um, I think audiences are kind of used to the ideas that were present in the original Alien film. And I think that that's not to say the beast is cooked, obviously, because uh, I don't think he's even close to that. But I do think that the beast has to be frightening in ways that we're not necessarily ready, ready for. They're not really prepared for. And I think the way you get back to doing that is by finding what will actually freak people out and by going really hard in that direction and using that as a basis for fear, I think. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I mean, I think, uh, again, for me, uh, Jump Street is finding a James Cameron that's not a Neil Blomkamp. Um, someone who's like, you know, who has the sensibilities of Christopher Nolan, who's big summer action blockbuster, yet entirely deep and layered. And you can keep watching his films over and over and get something new every time. I mean, he's, he's, a golden child. There's no one else like him, um, except for maybe Spielberg, which his films, even during the time, were more summer blockbuster than they were heady discussion piece. Um, not that the Alien films need to be that, but I think they spawn that. You know, you can talk about the first Alien and Aliens and Alien Three ad nauseum. There's so much there. There's so much to discuss. You know, um, and even the you know the films that aren't successful, like Resurrection. There's still a lot to talk about there. There's a lot of possibilities there but i feel like you have to find someone who is passionate you have to find a storyteller um and one thing i want to reference is i think we all know that universal was trying to reboot their 
their dark stories. What was like, what's the term again? I dark universe. Dark universe. Yes. And so they tried it with the Wolfman. Flopped. They tried it with um, the Mummy. Most you know recently, it, it completely flopped. And um, what what other film? I think there was one more. Um, Invisible Man. No, that's that's the reboot. Wasn't there a there was a Dracula? Dracula. Right? Yeah, Dracula. Oh, there was Dracula Untold, with Luke, right? With, yeah, yeah. which was which was not made for that series, but was retconned yeah. to be. Fit yeah, it was totally. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, but what Universal just Invisible Man was actually very good, though. No, it was. It was oh, awesome. a, oh, yeah, we're getting well, that. That's where yeah, I'm going. That's where I'm yeah, going right, with this. Yeah. So yeah. what Universal decided to do was they because they had flops. I mean, they spent hundreds of millions of dollars on these films, and they flopped they decided to go back to the auteur. And so they licensed essentially the, uh, the Invisible Man and gave it to um, uh, Jason Blum, right? Um, or Blumhouse or whatever. Well, he didn't uh, make he, it, but he produced he, it. But his, he's produced it. And he, you know, him and the filmmakers involved, they wrote the story, they were passionate about it. The film launched and it made a ton of money, eventually left theaters early because of the pandemic. But even before it did, it was making a ton of money. And Universal thought, we need to go back and give this franchise or give these stories, these IPs to people who have stories to tell. And it worked for the first one. It really, really worked. And it did really well. And I feel like if Fox or 20th Century Films slash Disney does what they have always done with these movies, again, we're going to be in the exact same boat. We're going to be in the exact same boat. We're going to have people who are like, yeah, it's great. It's not going to make a lot of money in the theater. Or I think, of course, Prometheus did turn it. It did turn a budget. It really did. But the studio was also saying it could have made more money for the money that they invested in it. They wanted something a little bit different. And for whatever reason, they pulled out of the sky that people wanted the alien in the alien movie. So then even though Ridley Scott wasn't involved, you guys know the story, they threw him into Covenant, blah, 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 blah. I just really feel like if this doesn't, if they don't turn this over, this IP over to an auteur, someone with a story to tell, someone with passion, someone who's been like, I've been wanting to tell the story all of my life. I, I don't know if we're gonna have any different conversations than the ones that we're having now. But those people are not usually the people who get to do this. That's true, that's very true. It's a risk, like you were saying, it's a risk. It's, it's about taking a risk. And I don't really know, in, in light of seeing more from Blomkamp in terms of some of the, the um, conceptual designs, I think the last conceptual design that I saw, and this was, some, and I'm someone who was championing his film, I saw whatever millipede xenomorph, and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, that we, and I just, off that one still, I was like, we dodged a bullet with this movie. <laughs> like, what, what, what were you even doing? Yeah, and it then, had like eight, eight arms or something, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, and I don't, I mean, as someone who I was think... a fan of District 9 and, loved portions of some of his aesthetics from Elysium. Man has a problem telling a story. He really does. We don't need that in this universe anymore. He does we, love adding extra arms onto things. I've noticed yes, that. <laughs> <laughs> but we just, I, I, but I think that you can take that risk to, to, to Andrew's point. Like they took a risk with Invisible Man saying, hey, let someone sort of took a spin on that story. And instead of a man who was becoming invisible, spoiler alert, spoiler alert for anyone. Oh, it was a, man, I haven't seen oh, it yet. Okay, I won't say it. Um, <laughs> I, think that, I think that what we're gonna see <clears throat> with Disney in charge now is we're either going to see, um, either we're gonna get James Cameron 
you know, we're going to get somebody like, all right, let's go back to somebody we trust. And it'll be Ridley producing and James directing or something like that. Okay. Or it's going to be um, uh, one of the guys responsible for Marvel and, and uh, uh, the Mandalorian. You know, you know what I mean? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be somebody, either somebody they really trust or somebody Russo that's brothers, really tied please. to it. You know? <laughs> um, and I think that part of the problem and that you're seeing in all this Hollywood stuff, um, in, in a lot of ways, it is, the problem is that they're being reactionary also. It's like Prometheus, while it did really well, a lot of the fans hated it. And like financially it did very well. But a lot of the fans hated it. And so what was supposed to be the sequel was scrapped. Like Ridley, Ridley changed all this stuff. And then in the end, Shaw was, you know, a dead body in it. And it, it, it's like, that was to appease people. And then, you know, he said the beast was cooked. And then all these people Before were the film there came out. Alien. There was no yeah. alien. So he's like, all right, I'll put it back in. But it feels like, to me, the worst thing in the movie. Like, yeah. I, I, I think that movie works better without the actual alien in it. Like, I would have rather... Neomorphs. I would have seen... Neomorphs were cool as shit. Further from the Neomorph, I would have loved to have seen, like, a, a, a different almost alien. Not... Yeah. The alien. Yeah. You know. um, so, it, it's, it's like, they're afraid they're not going to make money. It's what it comes down to. I mean, uh, a lot of what ha what's in Rise of Skywalker was, was also reactionary. Um, and... Is, would it have been better the other way? I don't know. But I think it used to be we would get this vision, we'd stick to it, and you know what? You're going to deal with it. And I, I wonder if the whole prequel trilogy would have been better if he had just stuck to his guns. You know? That's what I've said, 100%. So. Well, here's a question to oppose to the, everybody then. Should Ridley Scott be the director or the producer for the next film? <clears throat> producer. Let him just oversee it because he's still a visual genius. But in my opinion, in terms of his choices, sometimes with story, especially writing, just hands off, hands off. He's still visually fantastic. Um, he still has an eye for the, the genre, but hands off everything else. So I think we're going to wind up seeing him get one, uh, get a chance to wrap this up. Yeah, I think so. And then I think what's going to happen is either we're going to get trapped in things like Hadley's Hope, which I would rather they not, um, just like Clarita, um, or we're going to do what I would rather they do, and I think they're going to do is we're just going to say, okay, 300 years in the future, everything you've seen before is past history to what's happening now. And, and that's, uh, that, that was talked about uh, by Fox before the merger. Um, but there was always, they were always planning um, again, this is before Covenant, you know, came out and they knew the numbers and everything, but they were always planning on letting Ridley finish his trilogy, at least. If the movies did really well, Ridley was talking about making it four or five movies instead, but they were always talking about at least letting him finish his trilogy. What's crazy is that there was a time where he was saying up to seven movies, that he had enough vision for seven movies. What the fuck were those going to be about? Like, oh my God. Yeah, and that's well, the thing, too. Yeah. You, you watch, you know... The, the Furious Gods, Charles's inc uh, astounding documentary in the making of Prometheus, which I enjoy four times as much as I enjoyed Prometheus, and, and I watch more than I watch Prometheus. Um, and you see the Ridley Scott that I, that I would love to see direct a third prequel film. You see a guy who is on fire with ideas, a guy who has so much passion, 
a guy who can't stop sketching because he can't get his words out fast enough and he just has to start drawing. I mean, you see Ridley in his absolute creative sweet spot, the sweet spot that gave us Blade Runner, the sweet spot that gave us the original Alien film. You see like Ridley Scott at the helm of a sci-fi project. Somehow, probably because of studio pressures, although of course we know from speaking with Fox about this that like they kind of let him do what he wants, but at the same time, Covenant went in a, in a direction that I think wasn't the direction that he had hoped it would be, as we know. Um, and so I think that probably uh, put him off a little bit and he probably made more concessions than he would have wanted to. And I don't know if he would still fight for getting this next film made, but if he were to fight for it to get made, and if he did have his finger on what his real story was that he wanted to tell, then I would love to see him direct it again. He is not my favorite director for this franchise. I don't think he's the best director um, for the role at this point in time. But I do think that um, when given the ability to see his vision through the way that he really sees it, I, I think that there is like a list of maybe five directors in the entire last hundred years of filmmaking that have the talent that Ridley Scott has. And I think if we had the chance to set him up to show us that one last time before he's 90 years old, you know what I mean? Like that would be, would be pretty amazing. But I also think though, and this is a point I just want to make before, and then I want to get right back to this question flow because I do want to hear what everybody else has to say too. But just before I forget, going back to what people are afraid of, you know, you were talking about James Cameron, Jamie, who I agree was just this wonderkind who's kind of a once in a million chance that was incredible. Part of why Aliens worked so well for the time is because it was addressing a fear that I don't think people realized they had, right? It was addressing this fear that capitalism was doing something to us, that this unchained marketplace in the mid-1980s was going to basically go off the rails and reveal things about human nature that we weren't ready to see yet. And, I, and I, you see that nowhere else more strongly than on that commemorative, it's not commemorative, it was the, the Time Magazine that came out the, the week of the release of uh, Aliens that has Sigourney Weaver and the Queen on the cover. And then at the top, it says literally capitalism unchained as like the headline. And it's just this sort of like that, that is what people were actually fearing at the time. And I think that like, if, if Ridley can get, can get out of his, you know, need to sort of prove this philosophical point with creation, although I love it, and get back to like what people are actually afraid of right now and make a film about that with writers who really understand that, um, then I think it could be great. But my choice is Alex White. I will shut up now. Not Alex White. I, I would like Alex White to be a creative consultant on it, but Alex Garland is the Alex that I'm thinking of. Although, hey, Alex White can take it too. Uh, anyway, other people, what do you think? Should Ridley be directing this final installment or, or producing it? I say produce. And maybe take some um, up-and-coming director under his wing and show him the Ridley way. Do you think, I mean, do we think that he would... Do, you, do we think he would step back and allow somebody else to have, you know, a little bit more control? That's the only thing, you know, it, that's, that's what worried me, but I absolutely agree. I'd put it, let him produce it and, and put his ideas into the mix and, and get a, an up and coming director. And, and hopefully maybe he pushes somebody down the road that, that becomes something special. But I absolutely think I would like to see him finish it. I, I mean, I think he deserves that much. I'm going to be the dick and say produce completely hands off the story completely. Um, if he was to take somebody under his wing, even then I'd be hesitant because at the same time he could influence the way they would like the story to be portrayed or whatnot. Um, go ahead with it, but at the same time I kind of want them to restart things from a fresh start and go plunder the extended universe 
get the stories from the comics or the novels, not bits and pieces of them though, because that's we've seen that in things like the DC universe with taking bits and pieces from certain comics and piece them together, and it's never worked. Like a f the full story, Cold Forge, Phalanx, Labyrinth, you've got plenty of stories there that would do well, and you don't even have to edit them in there anyway. You just need to adapt them. That's it. Labyrinth would be the greatest fucking Netflix series I've ever, or HBO miniseries. Give me a fucking four-part Labyrinth series, and I will, I will Mike pay. Mike Flanagan directing. Oh, <laughs> oh man, that'd be great. I would love to see that. That would be awesome. Garland's too highbrow for the general public. It should be Garland. <laughs> I hate to, I hate to, like you know, again, be like yeah, you know, bring everybody down. But the th reality of this is, is that that'll never happen. They will never take a comic based on a movie and turn it into a movie. They won't do that because then they have to pay these people something that they don't want to. You know, it's different when it's a franchise that started as a comic book and becomes a movie. That's different. But if it's a movie that was based on a, a comic that was based on a movie now becomes a movie that became a novel that became, it, they won't do it. They won't do it. Um, which is sad because a lot of good stories come out of those things. Um, but you will see them, like you said, and you know, you will see the mind for ideas. So, um, I, I, if anybody can name a, sing, a single instance when this has been done, I'd be really impressed because I, I can't. I'm trying it. to think of one right now. I'm thinking, uh, I feel like it might have happened with, with Buffy stuff at some point. Well, I, I mean, look who was writing it. that. It was John. It, it, was, it, was, it was the same. It was the guy who yeah. was writing the show, too, right? Yeah, yeah so yeah, that's, exactly. that's not the same thing. That doesn't count. Because yeah. um, it was all his in the first place. I'm just wary of all of repeating things that we've seen before in terms of setting it on a ship or Sevastopol. Really, Isolation's really explored that. I don't want to see the movie version of Isolation. I don't want to see another Ripley named Ripley, Amanda Ripley's daughter. <laughs> I don't, that is so boring to me. That is so, like, let's move on from her. Let's move on from her. But yep. let's also, let's talk about the company. I think, uh, Michael, you were talking about, or, or somebody was saying something, how, how many ideas there are in terms of who, who is this company? Let's lift the veil on them. You can do a Wayland Tiny like, Chronicles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much to, to, to explore um, and get away from sort of the, essentially Ripley is the legacy character, and also the legacy setting of Derelict. Uh, you know, Ridley Scott's directed three films where they explore a derelict and they find something and so things go wrong. We've seen it three times now. Um, let's set an alien film. Even um, uh, uh, the sequel to Covenant where it crashes on a, a planet, I don't know what that planet would be, would be a little bit different where it's, it not, does it involve another juggernaut or a derelict where it's a completely fresh take, where it's not in a ship, it's, you know, or it's not on a prison colony. Um, not that we've seen that before, but We've just seen the, we've seen, and even Covenant, you know, sort of the last part of it is on a ship and they blow the thing out and it's the same thing that we've seen before. Do something else. That's for me. And just because you, like Dave might say, you do something different doesn't mean it's going to be good. But I, I really do think that we've exhausted all of the tropes that we've seen. We've exhausted them. That's why Orem getting a facehugger was like, really? Um, because we've exhausted it. And I think if you're, if whoever is going to do it, well, even if it's Ridley, like I would completely agree that Ridley Scott took a lot of risks in Covenant with the David Walter thing and the whole 
what was happening between them between the robots or the androids or whatever i think that was it was risky it didn't everyone didn't love it it was some people were like eh, what it was but he was taking a risk and it is what it is but i would probably rather him or someone take a risk like that than to do another force awakens of the alien series like they've they've been trying to do that since alien resurrection and then they you know and it just hasn't worked and you know everything the the, the film that was the most successful was also the most similar, which was Prometheus in terms of the films of the last, you know, ever, ever since Alien Resurrection. I, re- I just, I, I can't belabor enough that I really think they need to do something completely different. In this case, I agree with you. I think doing, branching out is, it's time. I mean, we've, we don't need everything to tie together anymore. You know, it's like, um, Andrew was saying, and which is something I've hoped. I mean, how you've heard me argue before that the prequels would work better as sequels if they were set in the future. It's time. Set it two, three hundred years in the future. New stories. Maybe have, you know, mentions here or there of what happened then. That's it. Everything brand new. Um, I think it's the way to go. A soft reboot, if you will. One of the things that if you look at the Star Trek movies that came out, uh, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies, it's like, if you look at them, it's they're a boiled down checklist of what the general public thinks. I fucking hate those movies so much. I can't argue with you at all. But I'm just saying, it's like, beam me up Scotty. Yellow shirts. You know, it's like, it's a checklist of what the general population who's briefly seen a, a, in passing someone flipping the channels on Star Trek thinks Star Trek is. And that's because that is what has lasted iconically from that property. And that's what all these movies are trying to do. Not just Alien, but Star Wars and everything. They're like, how do we capture that again? That's why, oh, it's another desert planet. Oh, it's another Death Star. Oh, it's another this. You know, it, 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 we, they don't know how to capture, they don't know how to do an Empire Strikes Back. That's what it comes down to. Empire Strikes Back was not a duplicate of, of Star Wars in any way, shape, or form. It literally brought the story into new new territory. And um, I mean, look, again, I'm probably people are gonna hate me for this, but even look at Aliens, okay? It has the same beats as Alien. It literally does. Oh, I wonder where we heard that before, Patrick. Hmm. <laughs> Patrick, you said this before? No, I did. I've gone oh. over this before. <laughs> you have. Yeah, this is this has come up. Um, you know, it's like it's it even Cameron even did it and he was smart to do it. You know, it's just that they, they're, they're making movies is expensive and they keep inflating the costs of these things and, and making things cost more and more money when in a lot of cases, I don't think they need to. I mean, what happened with the Joker movie is proof that you can make a, a, a huge hit with spending no money on something. Um, and honestly, you, you, can't we, if we can do uh, 10 episodes of Picard for, you know, 75 million at the most whatever it was you know we can't we can't do a, a an alien movie for that much you know and that series was terrible well that's a <laughs> well uh dave you you and i talked about this the other day too and and talking about how we can bring back into the series but do something totally different from what it is right now we were talking about i, I don't remember if it was two years ago on alien day they released the um, 
the little sketches and they were it was like what was going on Waylon Utani behind the scenes they had the one with all the the aliens in the uh, test tubes and the, the mm-hmm. scientists looking at them and then they had the ones where like the face uggers were being unleashed on a planet like oh my god I forgot about those yeah, things yeah those holy and shit it, it, and it just never really came out of something I, I'm thinking how great would it be to have it be opposite so have the bad guys be the main set and then you have your good guy that's kind of the spy the guy that gets into the guy that sees what's going on you know and, and take it in a different direction pull people away from it and then maybe eventually down the road go back into you know back into the the normal routine but even like clara said like you could easily make that uh like a, an animated you know, or, or anime or something like that, make an yep. awesome series out of that it would be incredible because it's, it's, it's a media that this franchise hasn't been in before. Um, you know, yep. like I said, you know, it's, it's the, what I fell in love with is a comic books. If I could get to see something like that was, that was a live, uh, not live, but uh, you know, an animated, basically animated comic book, that would be incredible. I mean, that was such a cool idea. And if you're going to, you know, repeat beats, do it in a way that's interesting. Like aliens, obviously, like you guys have said, it does a similar path that Alien did, but it, it told the story and introduced new things that weren't there in Alien. So if you're going to do it, you need to do it in a fresh manner, not just lazily throw, you know, taglines and quotes and sequences from previous movies. Do it in a way that's fresh. If you want to keep the same sort of story to keep, like, the theme of the franchise, that's fine, but don't keep telling the same fucking story. Introduce new things. You know, Cameron brought the Hive. Um, the warrior aliens, the queen, the marines. There's thousands of new, hundred thousand. There's a, dozens of new ideas in there, just following a similar path. So if you're gonna, you know, at least mix it up and be the same. I don't know. I'm just talking out my ass. But you know, you get the idea. <laughs> well, if I see one more alien sucked out of a goddamn spaceship, I'm gonna lose it. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> just throw the popcorn and walk out of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if, like, if this, like, you know, this Covenant <laughs> third film uh, ends with, like, with, like, there's, like, a beacon, and it turns out it's actually from Earth, and, like, <laughs> like they steer the Covenant down, and it's fucking, like, Ellen Ripley, like, as a child, like, pressing something, and it's, like, because <laughs> you know they're trying to get to that. Call, they call her Ellie. Like, Ellie. <laughs> Are you out there? Like everyone's saying, they're obviously, like, we want to avoid doing all these tropes and whatnot, but you take the tropes, like, blowing the alien out of the airlock, somebody getting face hugged, the typical fucking xenomorph head bite where you see the whole thing's face in the camera. There's 10 different ways you could do every one of those scenarios that we've not seen yet. You just have to, as Andrew says, not treat it like a checklist. I do think it's interesting, and I know that this film is. Um, controversial for some people, Patrick, like uh, Joker, but Joker is uh, a film that they essentially made this film that was like, well, what is this movie? And it, they turned it on its head and the movie was so successful. And I'm not saying that it's, you can use the same um, approach alien the same way because it's a very different, pro- um, it's a very different, sorry, hold on. I was getting a phone call. It was, it, Alien's a very different property for sure. You can't just approach alien like you approach a DC property. You can't, but they took a huge risk with Joker and it paid, paid off in spades and not, and it was a very slow moving, um, deep, intense film. Yes. And people went to that film in troves. Beautiful so, all around. Yeah. And it wasn't, it, it's not a film that it almost throws on its head 
some of the stuff that we've been discussing. Like you don't need the shiny new things because audiences are smart. And I think, yeah, I, I, I think it's just a sweet spot and you got to find it and you got to know yep. what works and you got to know who to take a risk with. You got to know what story is the right story. And oftentimes studio execs don't know what the right story is. They think they do, but they don't. They think, well, what worked here? Let's try that. That's not how you tell a story. Um, so it's, Making films is already very, very difficult. Um, I, th I think when we see films that are really great, it's surprising because it's hard to make a good film. Um, and sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. That's why you need someone in charge who knows what that is, who knows what a good story is, who can read a script and think, this is it. We can work on a little bit more, but this is it. As opposed to, well, why don't you give it to him and see what he comes up with next. I sort of like that. Why don't we go off with this idea? That's not how you tell a story. Um, I mean, that's a also, also a cyclical conversation. But again, the thing with Joker, which, you know, my feelings on the film, I'm not going to get into that. But the, the reason why I think it did so incredibly well is because it was tapping into something in the zeitgeist. It was tapping into things people were afraid of. It was tapping into things people wanted to talk about. It's really easy to get word of mouth advertising if you make a film that slots into something somebody was like looking for a way to discuss or something that somebody was, was something that somebody's already kind of burning to get into to talk about. If you make a movie that speaks to that, then people are going to talk about it and people are going to go see it. And that's why if you look at the box office returns on Joker, it had a really steady rise week after week, right? For an R-rated film to have that is, is pretty astounding. And it was because people were talking about it. It was because everybody had something to say. Everybody had an opinion, whether they liked it or not. Everybody had something to say about it. Invisible Man, likewise, right? Another kind of unlikely R-rated hit that week after week was consistently making more money, it was talking about things that were exactly what we are already trying to talk about. It was already addressing those fears and those things in society that we're having issues with. And, and it speaks to that, and that's why it's, you know, it's done so well for itself. So I, I think there's definitely an aspect of ne needing a storyteller who's burning to tell a story. But I think it's also having a storyteller who understands the stories audiences are looking to tell themselves too, you know? And, um, and, it's, and it's really fucking hard to do that. It's really hard to understand the milieu well enough to know uh, how to write something that addresses it. But that's, that's where brilliant filmmakers come in. That, and that's why we depend on people who can do that to make franchise decisions that push things in that direction. But I do have to say that, you know, we just rewatched the original Star Wars trilogy with the kids, which, which to this day is still like, as a lifelong Star Wars nut, that those, are, those are the movies that I... That, to me, that's, that's what Star Wars is. I, I, even though I, I do love, for the most part, the sequels too, you know, like the original trilogy is really it. And the kids now are old enough where we can watch it and they can actually sit down and we can like really talk about it, especially our six-year-old who's like just head over heels with it and we can really discuss it. So re-watching re them from the beginning, you know, over this last week has been really fun. And, um, and I am just, like Andrew was saying before, just astounded, just astounded at the leaps that each one takes building off of the previous one and how different they are and how much you really have to be on your toes to understand what's going on even though they're made ostensibly for young people like George, you know that was something that george lucas said all the time is that they're made for young people right like and so even though uh they're complicated and there's a lot you have to pay attention to they're very followable um and they're and they're like that in spite of the fact that the structures are very different and that the amount of things going on are very different and i just i I can't fathom how you could do that um, with an alien movie, but I, I, I would love to see somebody create, you know, the empire for, well, I guess in this case, it would be, it would be the return of the Jedi for this, um, 
sequel trilogy and uh, or prequel trilogy. And I, I just don't know what that would be. But I do have to say, as we wrap, that, we know what um, he <laughs> no, no, no. I was trying to explain that actually to to uh, to to my wife tonight because we were watching RTJ tonight, and she was like, "People didn't like the Ewoks." And I was like, "Yeah, that was like the whole that was the original, you know, kind of angry Star Wars fan moment was was the Ewoks." And it's funny because you watch it now and it seems like you know like they're so lovable and they're fine, you know. But 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 I I do kind of get it. Um, yeah. So no Ewoks in this movie. I, I do want to say as we as we wrap though that. Um, if there's anything evidenced by this discussion tonight, it is that there is no absence of ideas in fandom. There is no anemia going on here in terms of what can happen when people come together with something they love and they try to create something new with it. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and this, this, this energy is here to stay. It's not going anywhere, regardless of where the studio is, regardless of where the finances are, regardless of whether or not Ridley Scott is involved. There are stories burning to be told in this fandom and in this franchise. And, um, and, and getting to hear some of these things, like Connor, your idea was brilliant tonight about sidestepping continuity and going all the way into the future. I loved that. I loved Mike's suggestion that there is a, a real appetite right now for a blockbuster film and that that could be something that could do really well too. I, I love all of the different things that have come out tonight. And it's really just reconvinced me, not that I needed to be, that, um, that we have so many great ideas in this fandom and that, and that I really hope that we see at least some of these um, come to fruition someday because uh, it's worth it. So thank you all. Thank you. Absolutely, thank you. Yeah, thanks for being on. There's, I mean, there's so much more that we could talk about. Um, I think there's so many possibilities. And, uh, but I also want to say, as we wrap, as I close this, I really do feel like the alien fandom has come a long way and we can sit here and talk and not be crazy, not so about our opinions or about, you know, like we have to be right. And that's a rare thing in fandom these days. It just really is. So I want to sort of shout out to everybody and thank you for being available and being kind and being, uh, just being able to listen. Thank you, Dave. Thank being you. awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we being know. awesome. Yes. Or I know this. This. I don't know about this the was, rest of This was a good time. <laughs> I, I think Jamie, Patrick, you guys should come up with some kind of like a podcast that like we can all talk about this and get together and and, and figure <laughs> this out. And you know that would be an awesome yeah, idea. Yeah, they'd to be do good. They'd be, you guys yeah, would be yeah. really good I at this. Jamie, you It'll never happen. Podcast. It'll never happen. No. <laughs> <laughs> Something that sounds like perfect orgasm, but it's like not quite. Yeah. But it's like close enough. People will talk about it. <laughs> Oh, I see what you did there. Almost oh. like a story oh. group. We should have like a story group, ongoing live story group <laughs> podcast or something for Alien. I don't know. But at any rate, thank you guys so much. Um, this will be available for everyone to nice uh, download and listen to. Thank you, Dave. Everyone check out The Hive Mind, which is Xenomorphing's podcast. Brand new. Brand new, yes. The Alien fandom podcast universe. <laughs> Thanks for having right. me, guys. And, uh, and thank you, Everybody, Andrew. pick up this fucking RPG because it is incredible. And in, in addition to obviously Andrew being behind, you know, an enormous amount of this work, Clara also was involved with this, um, you know. Yeah, she has a podcast ways. with a playthrough. Check it out. Go Clara. <laughs> she does. Yeah. And, and I know Clara Check is looking to GM some games as well uh, as, as I am. And actually, you know, my, I've been playing it with my cousin a lot and I'm excited because we're going to be living closer together soon and we already have game nights planned. So we'll probably be inviting some of you guys virtually to join us for this. Yeah. Oh amazing, my God, that'll be amazing. amazing. Right? I haven't played yet, so you got to break my cherry. Yeah. Oh, anytime, Dave. I'm already preparing for my own game, which is going to be on this weekend. Make, so. make my chest burst, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a rare opportunity to see Dave Gogol in full. Oh.
Clara, I love that you just pulled out your crazy person. I apologize to you all. <laughs> yeah, that, Thank you, that, Connor, for staying that. up so late. It is, <laughs> what time is it? Like almost 4 a.m. in the morning for Connor right now in Scotland? Yeah, fine. Yeah. Sleep. And he's got a, 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 brand new, a brand new child that he also... Yes, Rita, he doesn't sleep Are you in anyway. quarantine right now, though, Connor? Are you in quarantine? Uh, no, I'm back at work. Really? Yeah. Really? So the Connor is that working for me to return to work. Me neither. Someone, someone yeah. tested positive, right, at your, at your yeah. job. Yeah, and just briefly, that's kind of funny about uh, Patrick was talking about the whole capitalist thing. Is put somebody in a position where you're financially risking their family's life. That's a scary situation. <laughs> hey, absolutely, Isn't man. it? That, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, like being, you know, right now my wife is just finishing school right now, and we're a single-income household in the midst of this, and I'm like, we are really hinging on not losing our livelihood during this because I don't know what would happen, right? Like that's, a lot of people are feeling that pressure right now. And uh, it's it's super scary. Stay safe, yeah. Oh, Patrick, I took you out of the system today. I got an email from your company to remove you from our access. <laughs> Did you? Thanks. Um, so, yeah, sorry. Yeah, for people who forgot, Mike is, is literally the person in charge of that. He runs security for the building that I work in. So you cannot do that, Mike. <laughs> oh, I know where done. you live. <laughs> um, so when can I move to that apartment, Mike? <laughs> It'll be available soon. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm gonna Thanks, end this. Guys. Thank you so much, right. and hopefully we'll see, we'll see you back here soon. Bye. Good night. Stay safe, Bye. Good night, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. For more information on Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please go to www.perfectorganism.com. If you'd like to become a supporter, please go to www.perfectorganism.com forward slash support.